Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Every word, every truth of the Bible Preach, taught, relate to someone, shared with someone, it's always a word in season. There's no parts of a Bible that in some stages, it's just bad for the timing. The Bible gives life, that's it. But it is so that at times God is moving us in a very specific um, way so that what we preach is not only good to feed us, but also good to move us. And that is what's happening tonight and the next few weeks god has given us so much direction in intercession this sermon comes from our prayer time together last week and we feel that god is addressing our hearts and he is bending down to help us to prepare us for what he wants to do in us to help us and also what he wants to do through us and so tonight i call this message jonah and jesus the plant and the people. The last week, God really has been asking us in intercession, do you still have a heart for those who don't know me? Do you still have a heart that, that breaks sometimes when you think of, of those who have fallen away from the faith? Maybe a friend that walked with you for some time or maybe as you remember people in your family, do your heart still break? Because God wants our hearts to break for the lost. Amen. So what I want to do is I just want to quickly go through the story of Jonah. And then I'm going to zoom in on one or two. Uh, zoom, huh? Okay, that was good. Huh? Is there anyone on here? That was for you. Shout out. Um, on one or two aspects of his journey and we're going to bring it to the modern world i want to tell you that jonah speaks to this world like like no one at this time can the account of jonah speaks about racism which lives matters it speaks about thinking arrogantly of yourself as better than others it speaks about judgment grace everything from the account of jonah can be carried into this world every day and it will be fresh and that's what we're going to do tonight now, in the beginning, Jonah only has got, as, the book of Jonah, Jonah has four chapters. You can read it within 10 minutes. It's actually a great once-off Bible study. It takes you through an arc that can teach you quite a lot in a very short period of time. But it starts with this. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Go to Nineveh. And then soon after that, it says, and Jonah, as he was fleeing to Tarshish, did what? He fled from the presence of the Lord. It's interesting as God is he's teaching us something here. When he appoints us in a direction and we go in a different direction, what we do is we excuse ourselves from the presence of God. All right, and that's what happens to Jonah. And as he excuses himself from the presence of God, he actually backslides. And a lot of the things he believes about life, 
love God and other people is here for us to learn from. Jonah is not here because he was a great prophet. He's here because he was one of the worst. But here's the thing, and I want to say it from the start. I want to offend you early in the sermon, and then it feels better as we go on. You and I, we are just like Jonah. We are just like him. And the seed that grew into sin in his life is also in my heart and in yours. And so we do good to pay attention and ask the Holy Spirit to help us. Because that is why it is written here for us. Are you with me? Dignity O Lang say, Yeah, yes, you are now. Of you are net. You can say you are net. That's right. So God says to Jonah, go, he gets on a boat with some sailors who is not believers. They're not Israelites. They do not know God. In today's terms, these people are not Christians. And they are taking a boat in a different direction. Literally on a map, Nineveh is that way, Tarshish is that way. I mean, you could not go more in the wrong direction. There's a massive storm on the ship. Some of you will remember the story. If you don't, don't worry. You can read it tonight. The sailors, they, they're like, who sinned on this boat? They end up, we're going to get into that a little bit, throwing Jonah over the boat when he confessed and said, listen, you need to throw me over. A massive fish comes. We don't know what kind of fish it was. It swallows Jonah, keeps Jonah in his little fish stomach prison for three days. And then spits him out. The word of God comes to him again. Go to Nineveh. This time he goes. He preaches the worst sermon in the history of the world. He says, in 40 days, God's going to mushroom this town. And then he goes and sits on the hill and waits. Because he is here for the show. But after the worst sermon in the world, the king brings his heart to God and says, I don't know this God, but if we turn to him, maybe he will save us. God softened his heart against that wicked city. And Jonah is mad that God came to save that city. Okay. One of the worst prophets. And I am just like him. And so are you. But let's see what, what happened there and what can we do to bring our hearts so that God can renew our hearts and we can learn from the mistakes of Jonah. Amen. We're going to contrast first Jonah with the sailors. Read with me Jonah 1 verse 5. It says the following. Then the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his God. See that. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. What the language indicates here is that it's not like Jonah is at peace like Jesus was on the boat. He is so depressed that he is ready to die. He has gone into a sleep of handing over the outcome of his life. And we'll see it later again. The captain, an unbelieving 
heathen captain comes to wake him up. He says, what do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. What this man is saying to Jonah is, how can you sleep at a time such as this? We are crying out to preserve your life. You have given up. The heathen nation comes to the man of God and says, why do we care more for you than what you care for us? It goes on and Jonah said to them, listen, pick me up and hold me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land. What are they trying to do? They're trying to help Jonah. They are concerned for his life, so they start to row, but it will not work. The sea grew more and more tempestuous and against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. And so they throw him over the boat. The contrast between Jonah as we start this account is that the heathen sailors had more love for him that he had for them. That's the start. Now he's still moving to Nineveh. Now I'm skipping a little bit. A fish got hold of him, spit him out, and now he's on his way to Nineveh. And he preached this wonderful sermon. It is, it is less than one verse. I think it's six words in the book of Jonah. In 40 days, God will demolish your city. Good luck. And the story picks up in Jonah 3 verse 6, and it says the following, the word reached the king of Nineveh. Now we're contrasting Jonah with the king of the heathen nation. Now these people were some of the worst nations alive. God called them wicked. All right? What they have done, the way they sinned and lived, there's nothing like this on earth today. These people are wicked. And this is their king. He's the head of the bunch, all right? Hitler is a lamiki against this guy, all right? He's large school. He knows worse school, okay? <laughs> and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And look what this king does. He issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh, by decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from his violence that is in his hands. This man does not know God. He does not know the account of Abraham. He does not know how God walks with his people. Yet, he says, who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from the evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had set 
he would do to them, and he did not do it. Next verse. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, is this, is this, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? And if we contrast Jonah, the man of God, with a king, for a moment, just think about it. Here's the king gets off his throne. He starts to intercede for his people. He issues a decree. He says, I'm not sure, but it could be that this God will spare us. And he actions the nation to bow before God, while Jonah hopes that they will do the opposite and perish. Jonah was a prophet of God. And we are children of God. And the same seed can grow in our hearts where we come to a place where we say, I don't care that much. Maybe it doesn't look so blown up as this account, but it starts like this. I don't really care that much about the salvation of other people. It's the same seed. Are you with me? And here God illustrates to Jonah and to us where his heart is. Now, the question we need to ask is, how did this man get here? What went wrong in his life? Because if we can trace the lines, we can land on our own lives. And that's what we're going to do. Follow me here. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? And Jonah went out of the city. He, sa he, sa he sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord appointed a plant, very important, and made it come up over Jonah, that it might be a shade over his head to save him from discomfort. Can you see what God does? He kneels down next to the prophet. Loves him. Loves him. But he's about to refine his heart. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of a plant. But when the dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint, and he asked that he might die. Well, it's got a kind of dash wish, that man. <laughs> I mean, how many times he said, Lord, I just want to die. And he says, it is better for me to die than to live. Listen up, verse 9. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he, and he said, listen to the answer. Yes. <laughs> Jonah. God asked the man, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he says, yes. <laughs> he 
incredible. I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? What happened in Jonah's heart? That is the question. Because most of us will sit here and we'll say, man, I, just, I hope this is your, your prayer. Lord, please help me not to become so hard of heart that I will come to a place in my life where I would answer you in the same way Jonah answered you. What, what happened in this man's life? One or two things about Jonah that might help you understand. In 2 Kings 14, we get the account of King Jeroboam II. He wasn't a very godly king, but politically and with his army, he was extremely skilled. And a lot of prophecies, a lot of promises of God was fulfilled through this king, Jeroboam. He was a fierce king, and he expanded the boundaries of Israel with, with great strength. And guess who was the prophet on his side? Jonah. Jonah was next to the king who, had, who was one of the most successful kings in the military history of Israel. Jonah saw places like Nineveh crushed under their army's feet. They would take the spoils. He was there. In the natural, Jonah was not a prophet like John the Baptist. Jonah was rich. He had a rich king and a rich kingdom. And when Jonah said, bah, the kingdom went, bah. Then one day God says, you go to Nineveh. And he does not want to go. And he ends up here where a little tree comes up, the tree goes away. And God says, Jonah, you didn't make this tree, build this tree, but you are mad about the tree that you would die? But you have no concern for the people in Nineveh. What happened in this man's heart? The tree was there for him, for shade. And when his shade went away, he was so mad he would die. But if God were to nuke or bomb Nineveh, he would be happy. And here is what God said to Jonah right here. In the last few verses of Jonah, and he's saying this to us. This is it. If you, if you forget everything, this is what he's saying to Jonah and what he's saying to us. Jonah, your heart is with your stuff. My heart is with people. That's it. Your concern, your care, your anxieties, your tears lies with your stuff. My concern are with people. That is one of the three or four themes of the book of Jonah. We need to summarize it in one sentence. That would be at least one of the four. 
I want to tell you something. Um, when we, I was a associate pastor in Shofar Cape Town, and this morning I made a lot of Cape Town jokes, and I'll just keep, I'll, I'll make them, but I'll go quick. Cape Town is different than Joburg or Pretoria. Um, in, what I've picked up is, in, in, and I know I'm, I'm just, I'm generalizing, and I, and I know generalizing is bad because I'm a global, so, and, okay, and I knew. <laughs> in Joburg, you want to marry someone that's rich. In Cape Town, you want to marry someone that's cool. I'm just generalizing here. In Joburg, the who's who, you're looking for someone that can afford this is this, this and this. In Cape Town, you're looking for someone sophisticated. And the people from Cape Town say, you know what, those people from Joburg, they are so materialistic. Look at them, they just care about money. They're so superficial. They're just the same in Cape Town. She just takes a different form. And so the one day, now I, we have a church in the heart of Cape Town. Okay, just, you need to think, imagine what comes through the door. It's, it's, it's like, a, it's like it's, I won't say it's like Halloween every week, but it's like, really, it's like a lucky packet. Because someday, someone will just, if someone, for example, has their pants on the wrong way around, don't tell them it's the wrong way, because they might have just seen it on, on Instagram. It's, it's, they put it on like that. Like, you, do, you just, you're not surprised at how people look like, you know, because they're sophisticated and up there. And so, the Christians are better, but you know, when they come to church, they're dressed. <laughs> All right, they, they look neat and they, they smell nice and everything. And one night, uh, a woman, Tani, walks in, about 60 years old. And you could say, you could see they, they're, not, they're not from here. And they were not of the streets, don't get me wrong, but their clothing and, and the way they carried themselves was different. It was, it was, they were playing a different game than what we're playing here in Cape Town. They were not, when they came in here, there was something different about them. There was a different authority. Their clothes were clean and neat, but it was old. And the lady, she had no makeup on. Uh, but when she smiled, I mean, just, she was beautiful. There was just something there. I'm like, these people interest me. I need to find out who they are. And after the service, the worship leader came to me. He said, I saw you spoke with my parents. And I said, where do they come from? He said, no, they're missionaries in Africa. And they minister in a Muslim area. And they've been there 15 years showing the Jesus movie in the language of those people. And in those 15 years, they led to Jesus one person. One. But when they stepped into that church, they were the two most beautiful people in that building instantly. Because there was a plant growing on the inside that would live for a million years. My Honda CRV will rust, rust break down your fortune. What the house you are building right now, that's cool. It will fade away, but there's something that can grow in you that will stay with you for a million years. And when those two people came to the doors, they had it. And I said, Lord, this is what we are after in Cape Town. We need to sort our hearts and our vision out. 
God says to Jonah, you are concerned about your stuff, your looks, your sophistication, the shade, whatever. I am concerned about people and those in Africa. 15 years of labor, one soul. Wow. What is he saying to us today? We need to ask this question. How do you create the heart that breaks for people? Got it on there. How do you create a heart that breaks for people? And I, and I, and I know you don't create your heart. David prayed, Lord, create in me a pure heart. How do you create or recreate or lead your heart to be where Ephia's parents were when I saw them and not where Jonah got stuck? The answer is always the same, but we're going to look to it specifically as well for a moment. You fall in love with Jesus. That's it. You fall in love with him. And I'll show you why. This is the last slide. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And he just breaks the boxes of the stereotype. I was playing around with Joburg and Cape Town. He's the poorest man on earth. The last stuff he owns, he's closed. He's got no trust staying behind. Bah! naked the poorest man that's our savior and all these preachers out there telling you to be rich tell me how in the world can that be our goal cannot be and when it comes to sophistication he's there naked ashamed full of blood our savior and so when we look from jonah to jesus we get the answer when God sent Jonah, he said, I will not go. When God sent Jesus, he said, I will go. And Jonah had sin. His sin was his arrogance and his pride. But he thought he was better than the Ninevites. Jesus was better than us. And he said, I will go. Thank God, Jonah did not come for you and for me. But Jesus Thank God that he did not send me because I'm just like John. Only one, he said, I would go. Jonah sat on the hill. He said, God, nuke them, kill them. What did Jesus say? Kill me. If you fall in love with that, your heart will be sorted. And stuff will start to grow on the inside outside there will be stuff god gives us stuff to steward and sometimes it's a lot and sometimes it's a little but it's never about it he takes it he changes it. that's fine as long as we are so in love with what jesus did that on the inside there's something growing here that is how you recreate or create your heart to love of people out there we serve a great god and he's here to regather our hearts. And the warning he's saying, he's issuing to us tonight is, watch out. We are an incredible group of people. I'll tell you this. I know 
almost all the shofar churches. There's something in this church. Since, since there was 10 people in this church, this church has been financially free of shofar. There's incredible people here. Incredible givers. Young people laying their lives down. But the warning for us is this. As a church and as individuals, as we build our lives, don't allow it to become a plant like Jonah. Don't do it. You will lose your love for the harvest. Accept what God gives. Love it. Share your stuff. Enjoy it. But don't lead your heart astray. Amen. So there's two types of repentance that needs to happen here tonight. And I want to invite you to engage in one or the other. I know it's also a broad guess, but let me do it. The one group of us is a little bit more like Jonah, and we need to bring our heart to God tonight to do one thing. And some of us relate a little bit more with Nineveh. Now to Jonah, God is just bowing down next to you and saying, hey, is it right for you? It's whispering to you. Is it right for you to be more concerned out your stuff and people. And don't be like Jonah and say, yes, it is. Okay. It is the wrong answer. You say, Lord, it is hard. It is wrong, but it is hard. Will you help me? He is not here to beat you. Take a tip at what he did with Nineveh. He's here to save. Isn't it amazing? And so there's a repentance that needs to happen. Lord, I realize some of my heart is migrating to the plant over me. And I know it because I haven't prayed for someone to, to be saved in the last. I haven't invited someone to small group because I've stopped believing that it can actually change a life. So here I am. Know this. He's bowing down next to you and whispering. Is it right? You say, Lord, I'm regathering my heart to you. What are you repenting of? Arrogance and self-love. Let's not sugarcoat important stuff in this place. Amen? Real truth or real disciples? The other group, the other group, maybe you say, man, I understand why Jonah thinks God should bomb Nineveh because I know the sin in my life. And imagine a city full of me. Man, chaos. And so maybe you thought you were out of reach. Look at Nineveh. To you, God, bending down and he's saying, turn your heart to me. Be sad for your sins. Like sackcloth, be sad about it. Say, Lord, I've messed up. Call it what it is. But then lift your head and see how I want to lift you up. Walk a road with you so that I can also send you again. Amen? Jonah and Nineveh. One of the two. And I know it sounds, to, tonight you might feel this is, this is spiritual gym, this. This is tough. It is because God is taking his hand on this church and he is changing our course. And you are on this boat. And so what you are experiencing, that's God working here. But you can excuse yourself from what he's doing here in your heart. Or you can step in. Include yourself and be in for a massive ride. That's what I hope you'll do.
Amen. Let's stand in this place tonight. What I want to do is I'm going to pray on behalf of the Jonas. Number one, he's also. And then I'm going to pray on behalf of those who might feel they're so far from God like Nineveh. And, and when I pray earnestly, just join your heart in, right? Is, is that okay? Can we do that? Where you are standing. God is really working here. Isn't that amazing? Father, I want to come to you and represent everyone here. If you want to, if you feel free, just put your hand up in the air and breathe out and say, Lord, I'm also coming. Every Jonah, Lord, you have blessed us. This church corporately, we are overflowing with gifts. We can't contain it. We don't have enough people to give to. Sorry if our hearts moved to the tree. We regather it tonight. It should be with the people. We are here for the people of Secunda. And we are sorry that our hearts forgot how to love them. Our hearts know how to love. Oh, yes, they do. But that love is aimed so easily, Lord, at something that is before me that can serve me and give me shade. And I want to accept that, but then I want to grab my heart from that tree. Put it in Nineveh. Please accept my repentance, Lord. Regather my heart for this town. I love you, Lord. Thank you that you are kind as you whisper in my ear. Is it right for you to be mad that I want to save people? Tonight we say, it is wrong for us. Here's our hearts. Lord, and then I want to pray for those of us that relate with Nineveh, and maybe you've got a friend that you know he or she's in Nineveh, just put up your hand as a, a standing in the gap for them. They, they're stuck there. They're stuck in the world. And for them, it just feels like they can't come out. Or maybe it's for yourself in here. But Lord, I want to pray for everyone in Nineveh, in this building, and in our friendships out there that feels like God will surely nuke me. He will surely kill me. And He will do right to do it. I know my sin. He's bending down. And he did not send Jonah. He sent Jesus. You are loved, but you have to turn from your sin. Call on his name. The Spirit will help you. You're not fighting your sin alone. The Holy Spirit, Jesus himself, will fight for you. Amen. You will not be bombed. <laughs> you will be saved. That is the God we serve in this place. Amen. Amen. Just where you are standing, don't just want to close your eyes. If you want to pray with your spouse, that's fine. And pray for one person right now that maybe you should have been praying for a long while ago. Bring them before God right now and say, Lord, I'm starting with a breaking of my heart for the lost now. Pray that God will save that person. Just where you are standing, I'm giving you a minute. Say that name. Don't think it. We don't talk like that. Say that name. Even if you whisper it, you say, Lord, you're here in person. Red the little break, babe.